Hello, and welcome to Ready and Newman's Daily Podcast, your go-to place for common questions about immigration to the United States. Ready and Newman is a team of experienced business immigration attorneys who handle a host of visa categories and complex immigration cases. This podcast will provide an insight into our daily free conference calls hosted by our attorneys, as well as discussions on hot immigration topics. Please note that information provided is not to be construed as legal advice for your specific situation and does not constitute an engagement with Ready and Newman PC or establish an attorney-client relationship. For specific advice on your situation, please contact an attorney. Here's your host. Hi, all. The session will start in one minute. My name is Rebecca Chan. I'm a partner with Freddie and Newman. Um, I'll be doing the conference call today. Gayatri, can you start the first question, please? Sure, Rebecca. Kushal? Hi, thank you. Uh, so I have a question related to the H-1B transfer. So I'm currently, uh, I was part of a company and uh, my new company has been out, like the old company has been out a um, new company. So I'm now part of a new company and therefore the company has filed uh, H-1B transfer on this new company name. So uh, technically right now I'm working on my H-1B receipt uh, notice and I want to switch a job and I have an offer. So my question is like, can I file H-1B transfer with this new company uh, while my H-1B transfer with my existing current company is still in progress if they file in premium? Uh, so the pending transfer is in premium? No, current company is not filed in premium. Okay. Um, so there's some risk basically uh, right now the pending transfer is what is keeping you in status if that's the company you're working for currently. If you try to file another transfer right now, USCIS might not process the new transfer until there's a decision on the current pending transfer. Um, and if you leave the company before it's approved, of course, if the company withdraws it before it's approved, um, it's kind of a bridge application for you right now. So if that gets withdrawn or denied after you leave the company, that bridge kind of falls through. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean the new transfer will get denied, but it could mean that they won't grant the extension of status, meaning basically in order for you to kind of activate the new H-1B, you'll need to go for visa stamping and come back in, which could be difficult with consular appointment scheduling right now. So usually it is safer to wait until the current transfer is approved before filing any other transfers. If the current transfer can be upgraded to premium, that would be best. So that you could get a decision relatively soon. Okay, all right. Okay. Awesome. So I'll talk to my current company in that case. Okay. Thank you. Sure, next question. Meenakshi? Yeah, hi, this is yeah, Vipin. Actually, so I have a question um, that, you know, uh, my wife has H4 EAD, which is expiring in this uh, December, but her H4 got approved and EAD is still in progress. So most likely she will not get H4 EAD, you know, before maybe this year. So in case if she mm -hmm. doesn't get it, would be she be able to continue based on the new rule? That so her H4 is approved until what date currently? Um, 2024. Okay. 
Yeah, so actually the H4 auto extension, and she had an EAD already, right? That's it's yes. here, and the I-765 is... Yeah, yeah, she had okay. that uh, ex expiring this year. Uh, okay, yeah, so um, the auto extension of policy, policy applies to her um, for 180 days past the expiration date of the current EAD card. Um, it's proof of work authorization to her employer. She would need to provide the extended H-4, so the H-4 that's valid until 2024, plus mm -hmm. the expired EAD, plus the I-765 receipt notice, those three things would authorize her to work through, you know, June or until the new EAD arrives. Okay. Uh, next question. Surabhi? Uh, hi. Uh, yeah, my question is, uh, what are the chances of uh, getting an approval in concurrent H-1B uh, filing if we mention it as full-time and provided my uh, first job is also full-time? Yeah, we haven't seen any problem with that. Um, there are a lot of people during the pandemic this past couple of years who have done two full-time jobs because, you know, everyone is at home and everyone has more time on their hands. Um, so as long as you can actually do both full-time jobs, we haven't seen USCIS, you know, have any issue with approving concurrent for two 40-hour-a-week jobs. Um, the only thing that might raise red flag is if the work locations that are identified are in, you know, very different areas. If your home address, for example, is listed as the work address for both of them, there's no problem. Okay, so uh, is it advisable uh, to mention it as a range of hours uh, in the LCA and uh, then work as full-time? Will it increase the chance of approval? I don't think so. If your intention is to work full-time and the company is intending you to work full-time, it should be fine to just file it that way. Let's mention it as full-time instead of range of hours. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't catch that. But, um, if you were so, just mention it as full time instead of range of hours. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next question. Vivek Bhattai. Hi. I have a question related to my 485. So mm -hmm. my final action, uh, filing date is current, and final action date uh, would most likely become current in next bulletin. It's very close, about 10, 15 days back. Uh, but my employer said that he cannot file 485 right now. Uh, a location that is associated with uh, uh, the perm does not exist anymore. Okay. So they plan to, so what he's trying saying is he plans to refile the perm again and once approved, file I-140 and 485 concurrently. Now my concern is, my question is like, I heard there is a rule that once final action dates become current, you have one year, within one year, you have to file for 85, otherwise you lose your priority date. So is that correct? So it's uh, not correct that you would lose your priority date. You won't lose your priority date. Um, that rule about um, your final action date becoming current um, applies to H-1B extensions beyond the sixth year. So if your priority date becomes current according to chart A, so not chart B, if it's current according to chart B, there's no difference. Um, but if your date is current according to the final action dates chart, 
and you're past the six year limit for your H1B status, then there is a rule that says you can only get one year of H1B extension instead of the normal three year extension. Because the thinking is that if your prior data is current, you would file the I-485 and get the green card theoretically within one year, even though we know that it's actually taking more than that right now. So, um, yeah. So you won't so so if he, um, let's say he applies uh, the perm again and it takes longer uh, than one year while, you know, the file date is still current and it takes. Sorry, is it just me or am I not able to, is everyone not able to hear? No, Rebecca, I'm able to hear. Okay. Divyak, we are unable uh, to hear you. Um, let me... Yeah, sorry, Divyak. Are you I able to hear me? It's still breaking up quite a bit, so I think we'll have to move on to someone else for now. Okay, I'll return. Sure. Upkesh Jain. Hello. Hi. So, so this is a question regarding my spouse. She is on H-4 visa and she applied for the change of status on December 30, 2020 uh, from H-4 to F-1. But uh, right. you know, she was diagnosed with a breast cancer on August 2021. And then, you know, she wanted to take a break from the studies and she uh, did a withdrawal a, a request made on September 2021. But right now she's okay and she wants to continue her studies from spring 2022. So is there, a, is there a way or a possibility that we can, you know, withdraw the withdrawal request made on September 2021? Okay. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear she's doing better. Um, as far as I know, there isn't a way to reverse a withdrawal request once it's sent in. So if her H4... I-94 is still valid, right? It hasn't expired? No. Okay. Yeah, then... Um, January 2023. Okay. Um, yeah, basically then, um, right now she's considered in H-4 status until 2023. If she does want to still switch to F-1, I would say most likely you'll just need to refile the I-539 application at this point, requesting the change of status again. Um, as far as I know, there isn't a way to reverse a withdrawal request once it's already been sent in. Okay, but they have not, you know, made any decision on that one. Yeah. I just raised the new request today, uh, you know, just mm -hmm. to discard the withdrawal request. So should I wait for it or, you know, should I go to India? You can just... try. Um, yeah, I know it does take, for some reason, for them to actually um, record the withdrawal request in their system, but there is some guidance that um, from UCIS that has said in the past that a withdrawal request should be considered by the applicant as effective on the date that it's delivered to USCIS, even if it takes them months to actually update it in their system. Um, you can still try if you're able to get through to a customer service representative and have them remove it um, from their record or just discard it before it gets on their record, but I would not rely on USCIS customer service being able to do that. Um, they're just very inefficient and sometimes you get different answers from different people. Um, 
to be safe, I would probably refile the I-539. And one last thing, I mean, I, you know, made all the requests through online portal, you know, so there is no hard copy. So the college is telling me, you know, might be there is a chance because you file online and you made the withdrawal request online. And oh, that, okay. so may, so might be there is a possibility, you know, that, that Actually, they yeah. Yeah, you can definitely try. Like I said, um, yeah, if it if it works out, then then that would you can it would continue processing. Um, my guess is that she may end up having to file another I five three nine, but you can definitely try. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, sure. Next question. Paridi. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you for taking this. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah, so uh, my H-1B petition is uh, pending in change of status. Uh, and I filed my uh, B-2 to bridge the gap from L-2 to H-1, pending H-1. Uh, so uh, that is also pending. And my six months is getting over in December, uh, on December 7th. So okay. I have filed for another uh, new B-2 in change of status only but I haven't received the receipt notice or even the amount has not been deducted. So I want to know if I can legally stay uh, until my H-1B is approved now or um, I, I have to leave. Uh, it, the, so the H-1 has already been filed? Yes, it's pending. I mean, it, it okay. was filed in premium processing, but uh, somehow it didn't, uh, I mean, we didn't receive any status update in the premium processing. So it's still pending. Okay. Um, I would say if it's already filed and pending before the six month mark that you had requested in the first B2 application, it shouldn't be necessary to file another B2 extension. It sounds like you already did, but- I, I, I didn't file B2 extension. I filed new B2. I mean, in change of status only. Is that correct? So just- Because that's what my uh, husband's employee uh, attorney suggested. Okay, so you've only filed one B2 application. I filed one, which is going to, uh, I mean, that is also pending, but it going, mm -hmm. it's going to complete it six months uh, on 7th of December. Right. And then I filed second B2 uh, in change of status all, uh, um, only, uh, but I haven't received the receipt notice or neither the amount has been deducted. Okay. When did your L2 I-94 expire? Uh, on uh, June 12th. Okay. Did you receive a receipt notice for the first B2 that you filed? Okay, I, I believe the second B2 that was filed must have been an extension. I don't know why you would file yeah, it. I was confused and I checked several times uh, with the attorney, but they said no, uh, because the first B2 is not yet approved, you cannot file the extension. You have to file the new, uh, I mean, B2 and change of status only. I mean, so, that's not really correct because we, do that very frequently. You can file an extension even if the first one isn't approved yet. You would just, um, it's just that the extension most likely won't be, it can't be approved until the first one is approved, but you could file it um, while the first one is pending. And we've done that many times. Okay, so filing a B2 again in change of status is correct or not? Do I need to? I don't think it's necessary. Um, I'm not really sure why they, did that because as long as the H1 was filed during that six month B2 period, it should be considered timely, even if they're all pending still. Basically, your first B2 just needs to be approved. 
Yeah. Before your H-1 can be approved. I don't think the second B-2, whether it was filed as a, a second change of status or an extension, I don't think it was necessary, but I don't think it's necessary. It's harmful. Um, saying until first B-2 is pending, I can stay legally and wait for my H-1? Um, I believe so, since the H-1 was filed and it's pending. Okay. Okay. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, next question. Vishwa. Hello, thank you for taking my call. I have a quick question. I'm in the same boat. Our date got uh, retrogressed. We had uh, EB2 to EB3 transfer. And now EAD and AP uh, is going, going to expire soon. So my question is, can we apply online or do we have to file paper form and send it to USCIS? Um, I believe you file by paper because the EAD AP application requires passport photos that you have to send in along with the paperwork in order for them to produce the card. Okay, another question is, somehow our EB2 priority dates are six months advanced compared to EB3 priority date. Uh, I don't know how that happens and Laura didn't pick up that one. So right now we are in EB3 line, but if EB2, which date should be we should be talking about or how do we correct You should that? have just one priority date that applies yes both categories. Why do you have but, um, another priority date? Yeah, somehow EB2 is six months prior. Is it just a typo on the I-140 um, approval notice for the EB3? No, EB, EB, I confirmed the EB3 and our, uh, what's the process called, based on the priority date established is correct. EB2 is by mistake USCIS given us six months earlier. Oh, okay. So the typo is on the EB-2 approval mm. from years ago. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, that does happen occasionally. Even this year, we still see typos sometimes um, on I-140 approvals, typos in the priority date, typos in the category EB-2 versus EB-3. So it does happen. Um, if it's just a typo, most likely at this point, they won't issue a corrected approval notice because it's been several years now, but you can consider your priority date as the one that is the correct one, I guess the one that's on the EB3 approval notice. Um, and then if you need to use that EB2 approval notice, for example, if you decide to file an EB2, um, a separate set of applications in EB2, you can include an explanation in that application that this is the prior, actual correct priority date is this. You can see it on the pre-approval um, notice. You can see it from the PERM filing date. It was a typo on the I-142 right. approval notice, and it should be fine. We've done that before also. Okay, okay. Thank you. I appreciate you have. Mm -hmm. Next question. Hi, um, I have a question. So... What happens? My wife's, uh, my GC got approved, but my wife and my kids' GC, they didn't get approved. They are still pending. So what happens in this scenario? Is their H4 status valid or uh, um, do they have to go back? Uh, yeah, so we have heard of that also happening occasionally um, this year. Uh, if 
your uh, green card was approved and you were in H-1B status, then um, they're longer in H-4 status because yeah. that depends on your being in H-1B, but they are in a period of authorized stay based on the pending I-485 application. So they're not out of status. They don't need to depart the U.S. It's okay. Like I-485 in their name remains pending. Um, it could um, have issues if your wife was using an H-4 EAD, was she? Yes, she was using okay. a H-4 EAD. So unfortunately, it also means the H-4 EAD, if it was still unexpired, is no longer valid because yes, it's uh, H-4 status. If she right. had an EAD from the pending I-485, she could definitely use that. No, none of those have been approved. They're all okay. still in uh, uh, pending status. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is difficult. Um, have you put in uh, kind of a service request for the I-485s for that? I, I put in, they just keep rejecting it. I know, uh, yeah. I put in it's twice the and, and they just rejected within two days, one or two days. Yeah, well, I would say what we usually do in that situation where one family member is approved or like one family member isn't, um, we put in service requests. Uh, we try, but yeah, if it's at the Texas Service Center, they'll just say it's outside the normal processing time. Yeah, yeah, within that's what they say. Within, not, within normal processing yeah. time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's difficult because it's limited what you can do. Technically, it most likely is fine. They're at the same situation and sometimes like the other family members get approved. Even like six months later, I've had one daughter's approved six months after her parents. Wow. We don't know why the, it was held up for that long. Um, but as long as there isn't any problem in their case, it I don't think there's any risk of denial or anything. It's just most likely inefficiency within USCIS, maybe not matching files for some reason. Um, but yeah, the difficult thing is, of course, your wife is suddenly out of job through no fault of her own. Yeah. Um, at you can try putting in an expedite request for her uh, I-485 EAD, yeah. explaining the situation since it is kind of an extraordinary situation and see if that... Uh, I'll try that. And uh, one, one, one more question. Would it, be, would it be faster or better if I uh, apply another 485 for them under family? Uh, thing? I don't think it should be necessary. Um, okay. Go with your I-485 approved. Right. Sorry, uh, that was about that was about two months ago. Okay. Um, hopefully, it will theirs will get approved. You know, in the next month or so, um, it doesn't hurt anything if you want to file another set of I forty fives in the family based category, but I don't think it's necessary. Got it. Wouldn't really affect their pending case if you decide to. It's just kind of an extra application, extra fees that. Um, probably are not necessary when it's just kind of unfortunately waiting time. Mm. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So basically they can, they can continue staying here, right? Yes. Yeah. They don't need to depart. And if they don't have the advanced parole, actually they should not depart the U.S. until they receive that. Until they receive that, right? Yeah. yeah. Got it. Thank you so much. Thanks mm -hmm. for that. Srini Reddy? Yep. Hey, thank you for the opportunity. Okay. So I recently moved to India due to personal emergency, but I do have visa approved from employer one. Now I changed the employer 
Now I filed a new petition with Employer 2 and that got approved. Now can I travel with the visa from Employer 1 and the petition from Employer 2? Yes, you can. Yeah, so the visa stamp in your passport, even though it does have an employer name printed on it, um, in order to use it to travel, it's actually not employer specific. So you can use the visa stamp that has your former company's name on it. And at the border showed that plus the I-797 approval notice of the of employer two. And that's no problem. They should give you, just make sure after you come in, you check the I-94 online and make sure they have given you the end date matching employer twos. Yeah, apply to petition. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. Okay. And the same follow-up question on the same lines. Okay. So I do have three months notice from the employer one. So if I come to US, assume if I come to US in December and I will get the employment uh, experience letter from the employer one until 5th, 2022, which means that uh, when we are filing trans uh, perm process and transferring my I-140 with employer two, they will ask for employment verification letters, right? So they will give you the employment verification letters. My employer one will give the employment verification letter until 5th, 2022. But my port of entry is December, 2020. Have you been working for employer one remotely all this time? Yes, and okay, I've been working you... with employer one with almost 12 years. Okay, that should be fine then. Um, just because you've been in India for part of that time of employment with them, if they are still considering you employed by the U.S. company with authorization to work remotely, and if they've been, you know, continuing, if you've been doing the work that they are describing in the employment verification letter, it should be fine that your entry was recently. So yes. if you want to enter using employer one, just make you just need to make sure that the there's still a job offer there, that you haven't quit yet with employer one by the time you're coming in with them. So what is the right move? Can I put the resignation while I'm in India? Or can I put the resignation after coming to yes? It's up to you. If you want the um, experience up until February 2022, then you should wait until then, of course, to to resign, um, but I guess technically you don't need to be in the U.S. when you resign with the company as long as you're still employed with them. Okay, um, the next question. Thank you. Arun? Hi, uh, my uh, adjustment of status was filed uh, last year uh, by uh, downgrading from EB2 to EB3. Uh, now the EB3 dates have retrogressed and I wanted to uh, move back to EB2 through the interfile okay. process. Uh, but okay. my employer, employer is not uh, encouraging interfile. So I was wondering if I can do the interfile myself, uh, similar to the medical interfile uh, that uh, was successfully done by many people. So is there an option where I could send the documents myself uh, without the employer? So... Is your priority date current according to yes. the, so you're, it's before May 2012? Yeah, um, I am eligible to file. My date of filing, uh, I'm eligible to file in EB2 now. My priority date is Jan 2013. Okay, so actually for interfiling, we normally recommend not doing the interfile option until your priority date is current according to chart A, the final action dates chart, because kind of the whole point of interfiling is in this letter, you're telling USCIS that I have 
an approval in EB2 and it's current right now. So you should be able to just approve this I-485 because there's an, uh, a visa number immediately available this month according to this month's visa bulletin. Um, so we actually don't recommend interfiling if your date is only current according to chart B um, because even if USCIS successfully moves it to EB2, they can't take action on it still because the final action date is not current. Um, what, you can't, what you can do this month at least is file a new I-485 in the EB2 category um, because your date is current according to the filing dates chart. So the filing dates chart allows you to file a new I-485 this month in the EB2 category if you want to, but Filing an I-485 would require cooperation from the employer. They do have to um, sign the J supplement, confirming um, their continued sponsorship of you. Um, if you've talked to them about that, if they're not on board with interfiling, they may be okay with um, signing the J supplement because there are pros and cons with interfiling versus filing a new I-485 completely. Um, one of the reasons why some companies discourage interfiling is because if the dates move again next fiscal year, EB2 and EB3 may kind of flip-flop back and forth of which one is farther ahead for the next few years as people who downgraded are now upgrading and it kind of goes back and forth. And so one downside to interfiling is if it does change and EB3 ends up get, being farther ahead later, it's very difficult once you've interfiled to try to go back again. It's a difficult process, but they may be more open to filing an I-485, a brand new one in the EB-2 category, because then you just have two in two parallel lanes. Whichever yeah. actually becomes current first, you can go with that one. Uh, they're not in favor of the uh, refiling either. Okay. So uh, for the interfiling itself, uh, do we need anything from employer or? Uh, you do like, need the EB-2 I-140 approval notice because yeah. that. if you have that, then technically the employer does not need to sign anything else. Um, the interfile is just a letter um, from you because you're the I-485 applicant, a letter from you asking them to um, put it in the EB-2 preference category. You would attach a copy of the I-140 in the EB-2 category, a copy of your I-485 receipt notice, um, and a letter just requesting. So the company actually doesn't need to sign anything or confirm anything for that if you did want to do it on your own. But like oh. I normally recommend not doing that until it's current in chart A. Um, but if you decided to do it, you could on your own technically. Okay, so we, we just, we, I just need to send the 140 uh, copy and the 485 receipts, right? Yes, the and the letter. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, thank you. Sure. Okay. Um, we'll need to end the conference here for today. Uh, the next one will be on Monday at 3.30. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ready and Newman Daily Podcast. We sincerely hope that you've taken something valuable out of it. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. For more information or if you want to make an appointment, check out our websites rnlawgroup.com and immigrationgirl.com. Have an awesome day.